Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. The preceding word of God is the present truth. It's always line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. In other words, it's a building. There is the, the steps of ascension, the songs of ascension. You see that in the Psalms. And it goes Psalm 120 to 134. 15 steps, which is the rest of the Holy Ghost, 15 being the number of rest. And we find that we are in the last of the last days. Now, many are saying that there's nothing but the coming of the Lord Jesus. He's going to split the eastern sky and we're going to be raptured out. And then the great tribulation will hit. The only problem with that is it's a total lie we find that most of the churches preach that you will join the church and say the sinner's prayer. When you repent, you're saved. And for that, from then on throughout eternity, there's nothing else that you can add to it or take away from it. There's no obedience unto righteousness. It's just straight, you're saved. Or you ask Jesus to come into your heart. And that's it. And you give a high five to Jesus and that's it. And you're going to live with him forever. The problem is it's just not the truth. Now, anyone that's read the word of God will know that you start off as newborn babies. Now, you have to grow. We have to grow up into him. And these are through these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us. Whereby... We are made partakers of his divine nature. That's not instant. There's no such as instant divine nature in a person. It has to be a process of line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It is a daily walk with a daily bread, feeding, feeding the inner man, the Christ that's in you. And that has not been taught. It's been taught that you have instant divine nature, as soon as you come in and you say the sinner's prayer or yes, Jesus is coming to your heart. When in truth, it's not even born again. We have missed the mark so badly that the Lord's judgments are in the earth to get us to come and return to the Lord, to the true Lord God Almighty. We find that in the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things, which must shortly come to pass and signify it by his angel unto John. Now, why John? Well, John and the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming, and he was in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus stated again in Matthew 17, when they asked Jesus after he come down off the Mount of Transfiguration, they ask him, the disciples ask Jesus, why do the disciples of John, John the Baptist, say that Elijah must first come? And Jesus stated that Elijah truly must first come and restore all things, a restoration of all things and all truth, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, the revelation of Jesus Christ, your last book in your Bible, is to show us, servants of God, the church of the living God, things, that's the things of faith, which must shortly come to pass. 
Now that sentence signified it by his angel under John, which John, the revelator, there in the last days there will be a John in the spirit of Elijah. Now when we take a good look at Revelation 10, we see that John hears what the seven thunders uttered their voices, and he was about to write. And he, they said, it was spoken to him, write it not. He was going to receive this revelation through the little book that was in the angel's hand, but he had to take it. Nobody was going to give it to him. It wasn't easy believism. He has to make an effort. He has to press toward the mark for the prize. He has to take that book out of the angel's hand. The angel's not giving it to him. He has to take it out of the angel's hand. Now, the angel is not going to hold it back, but it is required of John to take it. And it said, take to John, take the little book out of the angel's hand, eat all of it, not partial, but complete all of it in totality. It will be sweet to your mouth as honey and bitter to your belly. Well, we'll find that same thing is true in Ezekiel, the second and third chapter. Ezekiel took that scroll written within and without, which was written, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he ate all of it. It was sweet to his mouth as honey. But we also find that it was bitter to his belly. It's apocalyptic also there. In the famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast, God's four judgments upon the earth. Not to destroy all mankind. We have to understand God's judgments. The people of God, it says there in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 8, that the stork knows her time. The crane and swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people, God said, know not the judgment of the Lord. Because judgment seems that it is contrary to the nature of God who is love. But God uses judgment because all his ways are judgment. All his ways are perfect. All God's ways are judgment. Because he shows forth his power in the judgments of God. And we find that in the famine pestilence, sword, and noisome beast, God's four sword judgments upon the earth, and when God judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness, the true God, the eternal life, Jesus Christ himself. The whole judgments of God are to reveal who he is in his essence, his person, not only his person, that he is the father, but the work as well. Now that's where for the most part, that anomalous churches in the Protestant religion today are not looking for that. They are told, you go to church and they pray for the sinner to get saved. And they will say, okay, how many hands do we have for Jesus? Bow your heads and shut your eyes and raise your hands to those that want to give their life to Jesus. Well, that's all fine and good, but it's not Bible. It's not biblical. There's no place in the Word of God that they made a decision for Christ. There's nowhere in the Word of God that they said this sinner's prayer to be saved. There's no place in the Word of God that they ask 
Jesus to come in their heart to be saved. That is not Bible. But that's what's taught. Now, it seems right to a man, but it's not biblical. We have to go exactly what God said. We have to obey the truth. And there's only one way to be born again. Now, truth, before the cross, all there was was John the Baptist with water, baptizing with water under repentance. That was before the cross. But after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, now there's not a water baptism of repentance. We find that in Acts the 19th chapter. Paul comes across some brethren and says, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They believed. They believed that Jesus Christ had come and that he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But they were baptized unto John the Baptist, repentance, and thinking they were saved. Well, Paul said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, Sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Then, the next question that Paul asked is, Under then what were you baptized? Because to be born again, you have to be born of the water and the Spirit. So the first step is, under what were you baptized? Water being that water baptism in the name of Jesus for the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the Spirit that the conscience is purged from dead works to serve the living God by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That's born of the water for the remission of your sins. According to Acts 2.38, Peter having the keys of the kingdom when they were picked in the heart. They said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter didn't say, just, well, repent, that's it, or ask Jesus to come into your heart or say the sinner's prayer. No, he told them how to be born again of the water and the spirit. And that hasn't changed today. It's the same plan of salvation. Must be born of the water and the spirit to be born again. But that's a newborn baby. It's not full grown. It is the beginning of the race, true. And it's not the end. It's not growing up into Jesus and all things. It's the beginning, embryonic, a baby. Well, that at that point, Paul asked them, under them, what were you baptized? Because Peter had already stated, this is how you are born again. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. There's only one way for your sins to be remitted. It's not asking Jesus to come into your heart. It is not saying the sinner's prayer. Then we say, well, it's repentance. Well, godly sorrow work of repentance unto salvation. Not salvation, but get you to it, not to be repented of. We have that, Paul, talking to the church of Rome. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Uh, and that, again, is not the being born again experience. Peter stated that. Repent. Don't stop there. Have a change of mind to serve the living God, to obey his commandments, to read his word to do his will and his purpose. That's just the beginning. To be born again, you must be born of the water and the spirit. John 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, said, uh, Rabbi, thou art a man sent from God. And then he goes and Jesus tells Nicodemus. Nicodemus, 
you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. Now, Nicodemus looks at that in the flesh. He said, how is a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? He thinks that's impossible. It is in the flesh. So Jesus states it. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now that's pretty explanatory. There's no way to miss that. It's straightforward and it's declarative. This is what we must do. Peter having the keys to the kingdom, the preacher on the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their heart. Acts 2.37, men and brethren, what must we do? Well, Peter didn't say, here again, say the sinner's prayer, or ask Jesus to come into your heart, or bow your head, close your eyes, and raise your hand for a decision for Christ. That's all a lie. Then there's only one way. Peter stated it. He had the keys to the kingdom. From Matthew 16, he was given the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever he bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Loose of on earth shall be loose in heaven. And he gave him the keys. Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom. He was the preacher on the day of Pentecost. And he stated the biblical way to be born of the water and the spirit. He, he stated, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. That's the only way your sins can be remitted, born of the water. That is having the spiritual circumcision of the heart by baptism. Romans 6, 1 through 6. Colossians 2, 10 through 12. It states there again that you are complete in him and have need of nothing else. And putting away the body of the sins of the flesh goes on with that circumcision made without hands, that circumcision of Christ by baptism, Colossians 2.12. There's no other way. That's born of the water. Somebody said, well, that's not faith. Yes, it is. He states that through faith in the operation of God. God has an operation. He takes a spiritual scalpel, and in the name of Jesus, his own revealed name of God, uh, the only blood name of God, the only salvation name of God, uh, taken on that name in water baptism, and through faith in that, in the operation of God, takes a spiritual scalpel, and in the name of Jesus Christ, his own name, cuts off the foreskin of your heart, the body, the sins of the flesh is destroyed. Buried in the seal, forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. But that's born of the water. Is that all? No. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. Through, and when receiving the Holy Ghost, through that Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, with the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues, Acts 2, 4. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. No man teaches it to you. It is uh, through the unction of the Holy Ghost. Just as Jesus stated, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given. 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's Jesus in you, Christ in you, that man has to become glorified with the Father's own self to become a quickening spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Father in you before he could give us his spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, that is a newborn baby. Now, there's a few churches in the world that have seen that revelation of the water and the spirit according to Peter's divine command on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises to you and to your children, many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now that is not full grown. That is a newborn baby. Now they desire then sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. That's the first stage of growth. Just as we are born in the natural babies and we don't understand the spiritual things yet, we have to grow into them. We have to learn the voice of God. We have to learn the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then it's only through a growth process in obedience under righteousness that we grow up into him in all things. The next step is little children. Most don't understand that. I've had some that wrote in a question and said, well, Brother Beard, I got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after I repented for the remission of my sins, and I received the Holy Ghost, but I didn't know he was the Father. Was I saved? Well, the question is, where were you? Where's your stage of growth? What's your day of visitation? To whom much is given, much is required. Where's God dealing with you? Have you obeyed? He will lead you on. Are you being obedient to that present truth that God is revealing to you? And the question is, uh, only God knows, and he's the only one that can answer that. Because God knows the motive and tries the reins of the heart. Therefore, the newborn babe has the desire for the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. They're growing up. All right. Well, that's little children. That is not a little baby, but little children now. A newborn babe desires and sincere milk. They're not on the meat of the word. They're on milk. They're unskillful in the word of righteousness. Paul stated that in Hebrews 5. When you ought to be teachers, you have need to, need to be taught again of the first principles of the oracles of God, for you are in need of milk and not of strong meat. There he states, the word, you are babies. And babies are unskillful in the word of righteousness. That's growing up into Jesus and all things. They don't know it. Well, but those that are weaned from the milk and are of full age on the meat of the word, they have their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. Well, that next step from a baby, John tells us in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, I write unto you little children. Now they have been born again, he said, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You took on the name of Jesus Christ, not by saying the sinner's prayer, not by asking Jesus to come into your heart or signing a card for a decision for Christ. That is extra biblical. It's not biblical at all. 
It's not born again. Anybody tells you that you are is a liar. You have to be born of the water and the spirit according to Jesus' word. That's what he said. Peter gave it to us on the day of Pentecost, and that is born of the water and the spirit according to Acts 2.38. But after you do that, you're not full grown. You're just now entering the race. Now you're a newborn baby. You desire the sincere milk of the word. You may grow thereby. So you get on the milk of the word. You used to begin to learn the commandments of God, the precepts, the statutes, the judgments. And as you begin to grow, then you have the revelation that Jesus is the Father. You see that he is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. That he, being in the form of God, had to have a man to die for the sin of the world as our kinsman redeemer, being an Adam, but God is spirit, so God himself made himself of no reputation. That is a kenosis. And made himself void, a self-imposed limitation upon himself to take on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men, found in fashion as a man. God, literally, through that, making himself of no reputation, became a man, one of us our kinsman redeemer in all things. He was making like unto his brethren and was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And there he raised up his own body from the dead, proving he's God. John two nineteen, Jesus stated, destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it up. He did that in Romans one verse three and four. He's declared to be the son of God through the spirit by the resurrection from the dead. He raised his own body from the dead, proving that he is God. Because no man can raise his own body from the dead except he be God. Jesus is that God. He is that father of glory. Well, they know, the little children know that Jesus is the father. He is the Lord. That stated in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, John stated, I write to you little children because you have known the father. You know that Jesus is the father. Now are you full grown? No, you're little children. But Jesus stated the children of the kingdom will be cast out. You got to be full grown. He's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. That's perfect in the image of Jesus Christ. A glorious church without spot or blemish. And a perfect image of himself. That's what he stated. Well, that's what we're called for. Whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Them that he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not a newborn baby. Not little children, not a little child. Paul stated, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away all these childish things. Those things of faith you have to grow in. You don't get on that strong meat right away. So it takes developing line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, till you come to the post and measure the statue of Jesus Christ. But along that way, because they do not obey, not all obey that truth, because several things can happen. The seed can fall by the wayside before they can even get going in God because they have no understanding, the devil cometh immediately and take the word out of their heart. The word was there. The word penetrated the heart, but they had no understanding. 
and immediately the devil come and take the word out of their heart. Then we have those that when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, these are ones of seed is among, among the, uh, uh, the rocks and the thorns there. Uh, there they have no earth. And when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, by and by they are offended. And they bring forth no fruits unto perfection. Somebody said, well, I didn't know we we're supposed to bring fruits unto perfection. Yes. He's looking for perfect works growing up to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ to a perfect man. That's what we're called for. But they fall along the way. Why? Because of tribulation and persecution and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's part of it. And Jesus has forewarned us that we should not be offended. And he says there in John 16, the time will come. They're going to deliver you up out of the synagogue, out of the churches. They're going to rail on you and cast your name out for evil. He said, yeah, the time cometh that whosoever kills you will think they did God a service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. They don't know that Jesus is the Father. There's only one God, Jesus, who is the Father revealed. The Son of God is the Father revealed. That is the revelation of Jesus, that if you believe on Jesus, you believe not on him, he said, but on him that sent me. Why? Because in John 14, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. From henceforth you won't know me and see me. Talking to Thomas. Then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. Jesus stated, have I been so long time with you? And yet, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then show us the Father? Believe me that I am in my Father, my Father in me, or else believe me for the Works sake. The words that I speak are not mine, but the Father that dwelleth in me, houses permanently in me, dwelling in me. He's the one doing the works. Therefore, when Jesus cast out devils, on blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, the lame walk, captain went free. All that he did, open the blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, everything he did revealed that he's God. The words that he spake were not his, but the father that dwelt our house permanently in him said, I do nothing of myself. And then who is it? It's the father that dwelling in him. And that's a revelation that the little children have that Jesus is the Lord of glory. Just as he stated there in Matthew, uh, there in the gospels, uh, there also, uh, they, and if you believe, on me, you believe on him that sent me. You believe that that doctrine of Christ. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. We're one in the same spirit. John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. Uh, we see that with Paul. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate, capital P, the almighty God, who only hath immortality, the Jesus only doctrine. And Revelation 1.8, all through the word of God, he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty. He is the Almighty God. He is that spirit. Second Corinthians 17, the Lord is that spirit. And with the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That man, Christ Jesus, the second Adam, the last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. First Corinthians 15.45, on and on. The revelation of Jesus Christ 
in the last days is to reveal that he is that God. And there's not another. There's no trinity. There's no two-ness binary. Neither is there oneness doctrine right that the man is not God but has God in him. It is the man is God and always has been God that took on a body of flesh and blood, died, buried, rose again, went back to the Father, glorified with the Father's own self, and now is that quickening spirit. Now the little children know that. Are they full grown? No. They know the person. They know that Jesus is the Father, revealed, but they don't know the work yet, the work of the ministry. Well, now we have to go to that. What is the work of the ministry? What we're all called for. Well, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. We've got to grow up into Jesus in all things, in all truth, in all faith. We see that in Ephesians 4. And after that we're perfected, full grown, then we're qualified for the work, for the work of the ministry. That's the last day work. This gospel of the kingdom being preached unto all the world for witness unto all nations, and then and only then shall the end come. And we find that we are in that last day now, that God is preparing us to the fullness of the measure of the stature, to the perfecting of his body. And that's what he spoke to me there on the 19th of January, 2019, while in Transmera, Kenya, Africa. And he stated in this visitation, seal my people by my word. Even as I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. I was flabbergasted. I was such a profound statement that it shook me to my very core. And we have done our best to obey that command, that commission there that he has stated to do that, to bring this word of sealing, the word of God to his people. We can't just stay as little babies. Can't stay as just little children. We've got to grow up into him. Well, that next stage of growth is for that work of the ministry, and those are the overcomers. Now, those overcomers are the ones that do the will of God. They know the purpose they're called for. They know their quest for their life and what God's call is and his will, and they've done it. They've obeyed it. Now, we find that in Revelation, the second and the third chapter, that these are the overcomers that God is calling in the last days to find their works perfect. Jesus stated that to the church at Ephesus. They had a great testimony. They were a light to the world. They could name the false apostles. But Jesus said, I have somewhat against you. You left your first love. Now notice, he said, repent and do your first works. Over. Works. And he said, well, I didn't know we are supposed to do works. Well, not works of the law. By the works of the law, no flesh will be saved. But what works then? Well, works that accompany salvation. The things that we, and through the Spirit of God, obey. The things of God. And we're required to do that. Because grace is not alone. Grace reigns through righteousness. How do you get the righteousness of God? 
Well, the righteousness of God is by faith. Well, Romans 6, Paul states that very plainly. Whosoever we yield our members as servants to obey, him are we the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The choice is ours. Even though we have the Holy Ghost, we have to obey it. Obedience unto righteousness. Well, the obedience unto righteousness then yields the peaceable fruits of holiness. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, over 3,000 promises in the Word of God, and they are given to us to be, for us, a way to be a partaker of His divine nature, not ours. We have to be transformed. There's only one way to do that. Romans 12, 1 tells us, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, not by our own works, not of our own action, our own will, but simply through obedience of the Holy Ghost. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, it's through his mercy, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Can't lie, cheat, steal, and do all these things and drunkenness and all the other things that bring forth death. We have to obey the leading of the Holy Ghost, obeying the word of God, and not doing the 23 things that bring forth death. And when we do, then we're not conformed to this world. The world says it's okay. A prosperity gospel says it's okay. Jesus takes you the way you are. Jesus expects you to be transformed, not take you the way you are, the way I am. We have to be transformed. Be not conformed to this world. It calls sanctification. You just start your walk in God. Now you have to be sanctified. You have to seek God and obey him, obey his commandments. And... He states that, be not conformed to this world by presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. You have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. You have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, not what you want anymore, not your desires, but God's call and his purpose in your life. That's what the only true peace there is that passes all understanding. And how do you do that? Well, through mortifying the deeds of your flesh, the leading of the Holy Ghost, and obedience, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust. And these are the ones that are Christ and belong to him. But they're not conformed to this world. They're transformed by the renewing of their mind. Why? That they may prove. Prove what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for each one individual member is. That's the only way to find out the purpose and will of God and to obey it. That's the only way to hear the voice of God and to know it. And most don't know the voice of God, thinking that they run off their conscience, but the only way to know the voice of God is through growth, and that is obedience to the scriptures of God. And by doing so, then you grow in favor with God and man. And... uh, In grace, you grow in the grace of the Lord and you're able to hear his voice. Even though he stands at the door and knock, if any man will hear, we have to hear the voice of God. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, it requires us to open ourselves up and to the leading and obedience of the Holy Ghost. Anybody that says difference is a liar. This is not think and grow rich and uh, how to win plans and influence people. This is not some kind of 
uh, feel better about yourself. It's crucifying the self with the affections and the lust to do the will of God taking on the mind of Christ. That has to be done in order to be pleasing to the Lord. And it can't be conformed to this world. The church world in the prosperity gospel says, yes, you can. You have the world and you can have Jesus too. That's a lie. If you love mammon, you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away for the lust thereof. But whosoever does, the will of God will abide forever. You have to do the will of God. And we see there in Matthew 7 that not all the same to him, Lord, Lord, even though they're born again, calling him the Lord, know that he's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. They are little children still will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. They were born again. They just didn't do his will. They started the race, but they didn't finish it. They run. They ran the race, but they didn't run well. They didn't overcome to the end. The overcomers through what? He writes to the young men. I write to you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you. You've read the word of God and obeyed it and you've overcome the wicked one. You have to overcome that. You have to overcome the devil, the world, and your own flesh, crucifying that flesh, mortifying the deeds of that flesh in order to be pleasing to God because the flesh is enmity against God and God, the spirit, is enmity against the flesh. They're enemies one against the other. They're contrary one to another. And the only way you do that is through walking in the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. There's only one way to do that. And that requires the reading of the word of God, seeking him, knowing the voice of God to do his will. How can a person and a believer do the will of God if, he'd had, if he doesn't hear the voice of God? It's impossible. You've got to hear the voice of God individually. Well, God has dealt to each man the measure of faith. It's a good measure. What he's called you to do, he's enabled you to do it through the faith that he has given you. It's having the faith of God. Well, that faith is individually. It's not a general faith to the corporate body. It is an individual ministration according to the purpose and will of the Spirit. Whatever the Spirit has called you for individually, there you have to find it in the Scripture, seeking God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might, and then he reveals it to you. You see for God with all your hearts the day you'll find him. Then you find the will of God and do it. If we don't, then in Matthew 7, even though we call him Lord, Lord, we're born again. And we know that he's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. And call him Lord. And no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. But he says, depart from me, you works of iniquity. I never knew you. You never knew you. That's what he said. You that work iniquity. Notice that Jesus said, not the same unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven because only those that do the will of God will be able to enter in. We have to do the will of God. Can't just hear it. Think about it. We've got to do it. The many will profess that Jesus in that day, they were little children. They knew they were born again. Their sins were forgiven. They know he's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father. They started the race. But, and they worked in the Holy Ghost. They said, uh, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. And in your name, we cast out devils. In your name, we prophesied. 
And Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You missed the leading of the Holy Ghost. You missed that mark. There were there a carnal mind. You did run well, but as the foolish Galatians, then someone came in and bewitched you. I'm afraid of you, Paul said, lest my labor be in vain. I word that he were cut off that's done this unto you. I travail again for you until Christ be formed in you again. That Christ has to be formed. And it's formed through the scriptures and obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. There's no other way. There's no way a person can do, a believer can do the will of God without seeking God personally in the scriptures and seeking it with a prayerful life and changing that mind from a mind of the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. There we find that stated again in the book of the Revelation. We have to do the will of God. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives us the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, exactly what it takes to make the kingdom of heaven. And then that, he states the bylaws. And in Matthew 5, he said, Be you perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Full grown, not just a baby, not just well, uh, being born again of the water and the spirit, thank God. That starts you and the race. Not just knowing that he is the Father, having that revelation. That's little children. But then doing the will of God. Matthew 7, he states that. And uh, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth because they did not do the will of God, but had uh, this uh, carnal mind and worked iniquity. You workers of iniquity, lawlessness. Lawlessness is you weren't led of the Spirit of God. You might have known it, but you didn't obey it. But the, the last result is, depart from me, you the work of iniquity, I never knew you. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter thou the joy of the Lord. That's all that have obeyed his will and come into the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ that have made themselves ready as the bride of Christ. Well, the most of the church world and the denominal just say, well, you're saved and that's it. There's no growth. There's no sanctification. You don't have to literally not be conformed to this world. Jesus just takes you as you are. But Paul stated, be not conformed to this world. You make yourself the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Then he accepts you. And uh, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't emulate the world. Don't love the world. Then, but be transformed. Be that transformed transformed of your mind. Have that mind of Christ by the renewing of your mind. It has to be renewed. Somebody said there's a state of glory there. Of course there is, but you don't get it automatically. You have to seek God for it. And all the, those that do believe that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him will receive that reward and they will get the mind of Christ and will be sealed in Revelation 7, the apocalyptic sealing here in the last days. The ones that don't, they will not be able to stand. It's just that simple. Well, then we that are not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, getting that mind of Christ. Then we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for us is. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that worketh in us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. We have to hit that mark. We've got to find the will of God and do it, 
know the voice of God and obey it and be pleasing to his sight, even as Enoch, who was translated. We'll do the same, and there'll be a ministry of uh, Elijah and restoration that in uh, Acts 3, 20 and 21, the heavens must receive Jesus. He's going to stay there, be received in heaven, until the restitution or restoration of all things, all truth, all faith. He's not coming till all that is restored. And Jesus stated that the same that was in Acts 3, verse 20 and 21. He stated it again there in Matthew 17, that Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. And that's before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. We see that in Malachi 4. Well, where are we now? Well, we're growing up in him and all things. God's requiring us to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man, to the perfect image of Jesus for the work of the ministry. He's getting us ready for this last day, preaching of the kingdom of God to all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then and only then shall the end come. That's where we are. Now, we can't just stop there at young men. There we know, we've known the voice of God, we've obeyed it, we're overcoming the world, the devil, and our own flesh. We see that in Revelation 2nd and 3rd chapter, we're overcomers. Then we go to that last state of glory. And 1 John 2, 12 through 14 said, I write unto you fathers. Now that's a small f, small case f, fathers. Those are the ones that's full grown in Jesus Christ. They've grown to the measure of the statue of Jesus in all truth, they have reached Elohim status. Little e, gods, say ye, Jesus said, uh, there whom the word of God has come, that you are gods, judges. And that is what we're all called for as king, priest, that we will reign and rule with Jesus in the millennial thousand years. That's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, but what does it take? It takes full obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. And that requires us to know the will of God and obey it, not knowing that Jesus is just the Father, but knowing not only the person of Jesus, that he is the Father, but the work of the ministry. And we have to be obedient in that work. We're all called for the work of the ministry. You'll see that in Ephesians 4.11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's the first step. Then what? For the work of the ministry. God's called us for the work of the ministry. This come upon us, the last day work, preaching this kingdom of God unto all the world for witness unto all nations. And then the end will come. He that overcometh the end, the same will be saved. That's where we are now. But we find in Malachi 4 that he talks about the day that will burn as an oven. And in that time, that this uh, son of righteousness, capital S-U-N, Jesus, shall arise with healing in his wings. And we will grow up as calves of the stall. What are those calves? Notice it's lion, man, calf, and eel. Calves of the stall? Well, that means that we're coming. The calves are, are that. And we see that in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. They're the four beasts before the throne of God, the four living creatures of Zoe. They're lion, man, calf, 
an eagle, and our feet will sound like burnished brass, calf's feet. We see that in, a, in Ezekiel 1. And they come out of the fire. We're all going through the fire right now. It's a purging process. And coming out of that fire, burning as the color of amber, the hottest fire there is in the Holy Ghost, is an appearance of a man. And they forehead their four faces. Face of a lion, man, ox, and eagle. We see the same in Revelation 4 and verse, uh, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. These are the redeemed of the Lord. They sang the song of the redeemed. They're the four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the four zoe, the four living creatures. And uh, that we will grow up as calves of the stall. That means we're grown up into Jesus and all things and all truth. Not partial truth. Not seen through a glass darkly, but all truth to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. What we're called for. And that's the reason we grow up as calves of the stall. And then the wicked will be ashes on the righteous feet. The righteous then. And it states there, remember my servant Moses. Behold, I send you Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Not after, not during, before. Why? Because the fathers, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest God said, I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, who will hear for this time that we're in now? The time that's not to come, it's here. God is speaking that to those that are the apostles and prophets that will be leading the body of Christ in these last days, not for any of our rights and our holiness, but for his namesake, for those that have an ear to hear. God's doing it now. But who will hear for the saving of their souls? We have to do it. We have to be obedient. We have to keep the commandments of God. Those that love him keep his commandments. And they're not grievous. Jesus said, take my uh, yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden's light. The way of a transgressor's heart. We find that God is doing that now. He's leading us and guiding us into all truth. Not partial truth, all truth. We're not seeing through a glass darkly now than Pentecost. They did in the Pentecost. The rain said we see through a glass darkly. We have knowledge in part. Within prophecy, it'll fail. Tongues will cease. But he said, when that which is perfect is come. Charity. We've added to our faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. Charity is the bond guarantee of perfectness, reaching perfection. And when that charity comes, Everybody, faith, hope, and charity. The grace of these is charity. And when I spake, when I was a child, spake as a child instead of a child. But when I became a man, full-grown charity, abounding one toward another in the churches, then I put away childish things. Then when that perfect has come, all that which is in part will be done away with. Then we will know, even as we are known of him, and that's where we are now, to those that have an ear to hear. Now, we need to hear from you. God is placing his body. I'm not talking about a local church body. Many of you are hearing this word. And you got there and you don't want to step out and you don't want to uh, defend anybody. But you have to make a move. When you hear the word of God uh, and there you understand the Holy Ghost is bore witness with your spirit, then it is your duty. You can't deny it. You can't prolong it. 
you have to move. Enjoying the body of Christ being fitly framed and joined together and then compacted by the Lord God himself. And it's only through us as we come together, the joint there in bone to bone, the joint, if we join together, if you join with me. So he said, if, if you don't believe it's the truth, then don't join. But if you know it's the truth, then join. Join with us. Join with me, the DBM team of ministers that we are called for this world, the nations to bring this gospel to all the world for witness in all nations. That's what we're doing. In every place, we have over a thousand ministers in Africa alone. Now India is being moved in a great, great move of God there. Bangladesh, all through uh, Nepal, uh, Pakistan, 98% Muslim. But they're turning to the one God. Why? Because it's the truth. That's why. The truth is the truth. You can't do anything against the truth. You can cast it to the ground, but you can't destroy it. And that's where we are now. To those that God is dealing with, the body of Christ must come together in the unity of the faith. And then when bone comes together and there's a joint there, we join together. It is whenever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. It's built up through the love of God, charity abounding one toward another. That charity has to be prevalent. It's not just love of God. It's a love of God. Charity is the love of God based in doing his will. I can love all day long in word and in tongue, but not in deed. And in truth, charity is in deed and in truth. Walking in the present light, rejoices in the truth, wanteth not itself, not easy, plucked up, seeketh not its own. Those are the ones that God is using in this last day. Those are the ones that will be literally sealed in their forehead. Those are the ones that when it goes through the whoa, 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 last three trumpet, woe trumpets uh, there, in the last days, and the devil coming down to us, having great wrath, will be able to stand in that day. Without that sealing, it'll be impossible to stand. God is sealing his people now. What are you going to do? We have made up our mind. We're standing for that truth. No matter how much they rail on us, no matter how much they speak evil of the truth, and saying, well, you're just saved. You're once saved. You're always saved, and uh, we're okay now, and and we're going to stay little babies and God's going to accept us. Well, if that's what you think, what you believe, you need to stay there. But those of you that know the difference, those of you that know the calling of God, that know that the, the witness of the Holy Ghost with your spirit, those of you, you need to make a move. God's doing it now. Don't let this new wine fail in you. Don't let this oil of truth languish in you. Don't procrastinate. Call me. We need to work together. God's doing it now. He is... It's literally putting the body of Christ together now. I look forward to hearing from you. There you'll see the contact information at the end of this podcast and same with this video. Until the next time, we're praying that God literally perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.